We live? Yes. We Apparently live. we're live. Tim didn't even tell us that we're live. He's over here. I'm alive! Completely, completely messed up the countdown. But, man, we got an interesting week this week. Chuck put together the show. Um, got some interesting Bitcoin things to talk about. Uh, got some carbon capture. We got our favorite segment, shotgun lighting. So <laughs> let's get into it. All right, first segment for today's show. We got Woe Nelly. Have we done a Woe Nelly before? We haven't done a Woe Nelly. So first time this doing is, Woe Nelly. This Woe Nelly. I cut Chuck off with that last segment. He said this is for for the boomers. So for the boomers because shout out with the Keith, Keith Jackson, the greatest college football announcer, probably call it. 70 to late 90s and his tagline was whoa nelly <laughs> there you go there's there we your go. Uh, pop culture uh history from our this day in history boomer in residence uh chuck yates <laughs> so chuck over the past month spot price of wti is down eight percent henry hubs down ten percent uh, someone actually pointed out on Twitter yesterday that our oil boys video was literally the top. It was <laughs> commodities. <laughs> so pretty, uh, pretty funny phone. to see that. Um, S and P oil and gas exploration production ETF, the XOP is down 8%. Dude, I thought, uh, I thought we were in a, uh, bull market here. What's going on, Chuck? Colin goes to cameo and gets the oil boys. <laughs> now, so here's what's going on. Let's talk spot prices first. So we got renewed COVID fears in Europe. Germany, when you look at the seven-day average number of cases, I think they're up 6x over the last couple of weeks. Aust and they're the largest economy in Europe. You've got Austria's up 10x over the last two weeks. They've actually gone back into lockdown. They've actually uh, mandated vaccinations for everybody now. We've seen video this weekend from the Netherlands where they're protesting possibilities of more lockdowns. So we got renewed COVID fears as well as we've always got Fauci out there saying COVID's coming. So there's a little worry that we see COVID spikes in uh, North America in the winter. Second thing you got going on is you had Woody or Whitney Biden on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. He announced it this morning. He's going to release 50 million barrels of oil. And of course, oil's up one and a half, two percent this morning on. Yeah. Sure. Great. Thanks. Now we at least <laughs> know how much you're going to do. Uh, he brought some other countries into it. I think India is going to release five million barrels. So we're seeing a uh, release of barrels that's going to add to supply. But we can discuss whether that's going to matter or not. What happened on the gas front is a couple of weeks ago, Russia made these vague promises to replenish storage in Austria and Germany. That's not a short term fix, but a longer term fix. But they've at least made noises about, hey, we're going to get you your gas this winter. But the biggest thing that's happened is just weather's been milder. When you were out and Pickering sat in here, we were talking about colder than expected winter. Yeah. And so far it's been warmer and it appears that it's going to run that way through Thanksgiving. So that's what's happening with the spot prices. What's pretty interesting, though, is if you look at the 48 month strip for oil, it's actually up three percent. 
over the last month. If you look at the 48 month strip for natural gas, it's up to it's down 2%. So what I've always found weird about this, and it's been my whole career, is stocks trade with the front month price. But at the end of the day, they're 40 years of cash flow. So why they're not trading with longer term strip data? No idea why. But that's that's what's going on. That's always just gone on. But I think when you look at that XOP being down 8%, you got the majors down 6%, large cap down 4%, small cap down 11 the minerals space is down 9%. Here's what's going on. Energy's been on a run this year. If you're a long-only energy hedge fund manager, what are you doing? You're selling right now, locking in your gains so you can actually pay some carry this year. You haven't paid carry in years. And yes. so this They're is like, holy shit, we're up. Let's cut it down before Thanksgiving. So I think that's what you're seeing. So I think kind of what this muddy data tells you is the long-term bull case is still in effect for oil. Gas, it's going to be weather dependent, although we're seeing record gas prices in Europe, like we've been talking about for the last month on this show. And I think in January, you see a run of people buying back into the stocks. They're just locking in their gains. Yeah, I mean, this is what I think is that there's a lot of FUD around oil and gas uh, right now. If you look at you know, the news around Biden uh, tapping into the uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, I mean, the reserve can supply America for what, like 70 days or something like that? I mean, if that, it's not like we have this huge abundant um, supply of oil. And that's well, what do we to... use? We use 20 million barrels a day and he's going to release 50. Yeah, so we so, got two and a half. Yeah, I'll it's see o- you Friday. I like it's <laughs> OPEC, you know, flooding the market there. And then it'd be interesting to see what happens with, um, you know, demand in relation to COVID lockdowns. I mean, what's happening in Austria is just clown roll, right? I mean, 66% of the population is vaccinated and yet they're saying, hey, mandatory vaccinations and uh, mandatory lockdowns. But you see the videos across the world, just like you said in the Netherlands, like people are tired of the shit. So, you know, are lockdowns actually going to happen in the majority of countries? I don't think so, but, um, you know, we'll see. And if even if they do, that's going to be short-lived, right? You're talking a few months. Yeah. So one other bit of data that kind of stews into this whole thing, looking at Thanksgiving travel on the airlines, we're running about 10 to 12% under where we were in 2019. So we've done a lot of catch up yeah. with, uh, with air travel there. And so look, at the end of the day, the long-term fundamentals are still in place here for a bull run. I think this is a little bit of a setback. Not a whoa, Nelly, but maybe just a whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Hopefully that's our last whoa, Nelly segment. for the Oh, man, Keith Jackson was the best. <laughs> All right. Segment number two, Under the Sea. All right. First time we're doing Under the Sea. And by the way, I love that fish flying. <laughs> I'm not sure that was actually the sea. It Is that a more fish like, lap? It, a fish <laughs> lap. looked more like a, uh, a stream. But okay, Colin, Biden comes back from COP26. He didn't want to do it, but a federal judge made him. So they had a good old fashioned Gulf of Mexico lease sale, a Black Friday sale, if you will, to top all sales. 
The Bureau of Ocean Management offered 80 million acres in the Gulf of Mexico. That's basically all the unleased blocks that are available out there. So almost 1.7 million of the acres were sold for just over 190 million bucks. That's the most we've had in a sale since 2019. Exxon bought almost a third of the acres while Chevron cut the biggest check at $47.1 million. The other big bidders out there were Oxy, BP, and Shell. Notice we didn't say Royal Dutch Shell. We covered that <laughs> last week. So Colin, what's out there under the sea? Yeah, I think one interesting thing from that was you mentioned that Exxon uh, purchased you know, nearly one third of the acreage. And there's some speculation that that may be used for a carbon capture project, kind of track some of their onshore infrastructure that they have. And, you know, they hinted uh, at that back in April. So it'd be interesting to see if they use that for uh, CCS in the future, um, tie in some of that offshore acreage to some of their onshore infrastructure as well. Yeah, somebody on Twitter said, and I forget who it was, so <clears throat> I apologize for not giving credit actually said this might be the first time there's ever been a lease sale that wasn't for the extraction of hydrocarbons. Oh, that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I think the other thing that maybe is a subtle point and might have shown up an underappreciated story is, is this signaling the death of shale? Because I think what we saw with the shale revolution is basically folks said no to offshore moved onshore because they could toggle capital on quicker and lead to production quicker to capture price where offshore is obviously more long dated type projects. Is this screw shell? I mean, we talked about offshore. that in our last show, you know, talking about the offshore drillers and, you know, I kind of started getting that, uh, the butterflies in my stomach. It's like, oh, is this the time to go bullish offshore drillers? And don't know if I can bring myself uh, to, to <laughs> Uh, buy the dip. Yeah, yeah, I'm still buying the dip 10 years later. Um, but you know, it could very well be. And I mean, when you look at shell, I mean, shells just got limited inventory, right? Um, and you look at some of the long-term projects offshore that could start seeing some of the capital flow back to those. A broken clocks, right? Twice a day, Colin, you got <laughs> this, man. You got this. All right. It's time for my favorite part of the show. Shotgun wedding. All okay, right. I like that clip too. <laughs> Chuck, I think you like all your clips that you make. Sometimes I like my <laughs> clips twice a day. <laughs> so this isn't the best use case of shotgun wedding that we've ever had. I it's like a little have, forced. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little forced, forced. But you know, while we're talking about Exxon, word on the street is that they have targeted their Barnett natural gas assets for sale. Property consists of 2,700 wells covering 182,000 acres and are said to produce approximately 227 million cubic feet of gas per day the first half of 2021. So industry estimates uh, estimate that the property could fetch 400 to $500 million. Chuck, what do you think about the uh, Barnett? No, I don't think, have you seen any big Barnett sales? Um, I'd have to go, I'd have to go think the, but you know, Exxon took a I 19. I think BKV bought, um, was it Devon's? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sometime, sometime within the last year. That's the only one I remember. 
Yeah. No, that's uh, that's right. So Exxon, they took a $19 billion write down on its natural gas portfolio in 2020. And that's what happens when you pay over $40 billion for XTO in 2009. And literally natural gas prices have done nothing but kind of tanked since then. Um, it was funny. Our friend Ethan Bellamy called it at the time, the time Warner AOL deal of the energy <laughs> business. And when Rex Tillerson said in 2015, yeah, we may have missed it by a year or two. Ethan published a research report that said, nah, it might've been a decade or two <laughs> that, that, uh, that you missed year. it. But you're hearing all the right buzzwords out of Exxon on this, that, you know, they're rationalizing their asset base. They're going to focus on Ghana Brazil and the Permian, and they're going to use this to pay down debt. I think they pledged a debt reduction of $15 billion earlier in the year. But the reason, the reason we put it under shotgun wedding is I have a sneaking suspicion that they're cleaning up for emissions. I mean, natural gas, methane leaks, all that sort mm. of stuff, older, tireder production, that's the thing to get rid of. So I think that may be, let's call it the salt on the steak, if you will. You know, we were talking about that. There's a little bit of conversation about that at our new wave event about, you know, the diversifieds of the world. Like they're needed. They're needed to take over those old gas assets. And, you know, diversified just got drug out in the media uh, a few weeks back for their methane emissions. But that's a really good point. Exxon saying, hey, we don't want this piece of shit asset. <laughs> Give it to Diversified or someone else to deal with those uh, emissions. So that's uh, very plausible. Well, one other funny point while we're on Exxon. So Kolya Rockoff used to be the CFO of Lynn Energy, and he just got viscerated out there in the market because they borrowed one quarter to make their distribution payments. Oh, damn. And all the research analysts uh, started talking bad about him. Uh, some of their larger shareholders started talking bad about them and all that. Well, Kolya came into my office a couple of years ago, right before uh, quarantine, and we were sitting there talking. And he goes, yeah, I may have done it first, but fucking Exxon's doing it now, too, because that's what they did over the last couple of years was they, in effect, borrowed to keep their yeah. dividend going. So, <laughs> so he was just a trendsetter. Just a trendsetter a, on that. He was ahead of the curve. <laughs> All righty, so let's go to another one of our favorites, um, the underappreciated story of the week. All right, Colin, here's the underappreciated story of the week. Norwegian government funded a study. It suggested that Equinor, although I keep calling them Statoil. 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 Statoil's Dodger Statoil. Bank, the largest offshore wind project in the world, didn't generate the same type of returns that its oil and gas projects did. Dogger is expected to yield a negative $1.3 net present value, and payback's expected to take at least 17 years. So... Underappreciated. I didn't see it get a lot of press, but if this starts happening more and more, it'll be interesting to see what this means for energy transition. And just as a side note, geez, you'd think this is in Riverstone's portfolio. <laughs> I was going to ask if that was under one of your funds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. 
the on a relative basis, the Chuck Yates portfolio is the second strongest performer of EMP assets out there. I want that get, noted for the record. You get Chuck a T-shirt that says that for as many times as he said that, just for the record. It's not a lie <laughs> if you believe it. <laughs> so my underappreciated story of the week. No, uh, no, 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 no. You can't underappreciate it. You got to go. That's my opinion. Oh, Let's do this. Okay. okay, you. We'll go. This story is Colin's opinion. All right. <laughs> do you know what's good for me? That's my opinion. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we had to do that only so that we could play that video clip. <laughs> That's my opinion. All right. So my opinion this week, we got some uh, action in the Bitcoin world. So first one is Odell Beckham announcing that he's going to be taking his salary in bitcoin so a lot of people ask like what does that mean what does it mean he's going to be taking his salary in bitcoin well apparently the dude has enough cash now where he's like hey i like bitcoin i'm going to take my paycheck in it and so he's going to be doing it through uh cash app through square and so when i look at it you know i looked at the uh, i looked at the original post from odell beckham and you know if you don't know cash app and square uh founders jack dorsey also the founder uh ceo of twitter the dude is extremely smart and he knows how to get people talking. I think that this is a promotional deal because when Odell uh, tweeted it out, he's like, I'm also going to be giving away Bitcoin. Send me your uh, your cash tag. And so I think it's a marketing ploy like Jack's or Square's going to Odell Beckham and be like, hey, you know, we'll pay you a certain amount of money to start taking your paycheck in Bitcoin. And, and so, you've got a floor, <laughs> maybe yeah, a floor yeah, for Bitcoin. Exactly. Now, another Bitcoin. Hold uh, on, though. We got to have a moment here. If he's going to take his salary in Bitcoin, that's fine. Can we please put up some stats? Because he is my number three receiver in fantasy football. <laughs> and we've had, we've had a rough year that's, on that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, maybe Odell's getting towards the uh, tail end of his uh, career. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to be getting paid that much anyways. Might as well take it in Bitcoin and see if I can get some upside. I'll send you Bitcoin. I'm heading into the playoffs, Odell. <laughs> Let's do this. How, how much to get you to get me some points? All right. Bitcoin City, it's been all the rage on the internet. Bitcoin City is, uh, it's a plan by El Salvador uh, to raise $1 billion via Bitcoin bonds and essentially build a, a city of Bitcoin maxis near an active volcano. Um, and the whole thought process here is that, hey, we're going to be next to a volcano. We can use the geothermal energy to power all of our Bitcoin mines. And so... <laughs> One, I see this and my first reaction is, hey, have you guys never studied history and heard of uh, Pompeii? Don't know <laughs> if this is a uh, good idea. Second thought is that this is a uh, CIA covert operation to get all of the Bitcoin maxis to move near an active volcano and then just going to fucking wipe them all out. <laughs> I think that's more plausible. And third is, you know, I, I saw some uh, Bitcoin people on Twitter talking about El Salvador just LARPing and they're, they're like, they like to pretend that they're being the uh, Bitcoin, um, you know, fu really future thinking about how to build a nation out on Bitcoin. My thing is, is, you know, El Salvador is the first country to formally announce that they've accepted Bitcoin as their uh, their standard currency for the country. And you look at a country like this or any other uh, third world country, like it's kind of their silver bullet. Like they have nothing to lose, right? So they're going to do things like this. And, you know, they've already they've already posted videos of them mining Bitcoin off of geothermal assets. So, I mean, they're going all in. 
And if I was in their position, I would too. I don't know if building a Bitcoin city uh, is is the play, but you know why not? Like, what do you have to lose? When when I read that, I read that as basically rich criminal. Please move here and spend your dollars <laughs> here, which I think is a good strategy. I mean, if, someone's got to do it. Right? If I was a, if I was a third world country, I mean, you know, hey, we're gonna have fun. I mean, Bitcoin City even sounds hip. You know, yeah. <laughs> sounds like let's go to the like, discotheque in Bitcoin have, like, City. A more original name, like man, we want to make the city that's based around Bitcoin. What should we call it? It's like Bitcoin city. It's like when you go to like, you go to one of these shopping centers and you see like a tanning salon and it's just like the sign's just tanning. Like there's no name. It's just tanning. It's like that. It's like that dude that wrote the theme song for Batman. Do, 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 do. Batman. <laughs> it's like we got a Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I need another word. Batman. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll go to Bitcoin city to see what it's about but um you know if the idea is going to work or not and you know i know they're doing the the actual bitcoin bonds uh, i think they're carrying it out through some canadian uh company actually i probably have it right here um on my on my computer let's see if uh, i can find their partner uh no i can't but I it's literally a billion dollar bond offering that they're going to denominate bitcoin yeah which, yeah yeah it'll be i mean the the concept's interesting um you know we've been talking you and i've been talking about and uh, my buddy jt have been talking a lot about staking bitcoin and using uh assets to to back it and so to see the uh, financial services and instruments that are built off of bitcoin is you know we talk a lot about hedging bitcoin and um what we see in uh, with cme futures so be interesting to kind of track and see if they get any traction with a bitcoin bond and then if they do what does that open up <laughs> exactly can you imagine the tax write-off on the trip to el salvador to do due diligence on bitcoin bonds <laughs> yeah i think we'll have to do a due diligence trip just to go check it out so all right before we end out the show we're gonna end it how we end every week with the finger of the week All right, Chuck, I'll let you uh, have the pleasure of dishing out the finger of the week. Who's it going to? It's going to Senator Warren this week, who basically said that oil prices and more importantly, gasoline prices are based on price gouging. And the obvious retort there is, hey, when did you miss supply and demand class back in third grade? But (laughs) even more so than that, it's like, if we could gouge, why don't we gouge when it's minus $37 oil? Well, I would have gouged exactly, and I would still have a job. That's exactly what John Arnold said over on Twitter. So, verbatim, his tweet said Oil companies priced gas from five to 2008, stopped for the next two years, gouged again from 2010 to 2014, inexplicably reversed the policy for the next six years, leading to widespread bankruptcies, and then restarted this year. Is that the working theory? If so, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> that's exactly like, that's what I tweeted. You know, Warren said that uh, oil companies are price gouging to double their profits. I'm like, why the fuck are we stopping at double our profits? Let's 10x and make up for the last, you know, five or six years that we've been in a low price environment. And then even you look now, you know, I haven't got to look too much into this, but 
it's a really great point. If you look at our um, our rate of inflation, and you look, okay, we have eighty dollar oil, but if, is that just sixty dollar oil? You know, on a inflation adjusted um, metric, like, are we even in that much of a high price environment? And I think that you can make a case that inflation is really contributing to that as well, with all the the uh, supply demand issues that we're seeing. And John Arnold made another good point. If you look at non-tech goods out there, he put a a post up. I think the average price in the United States right now on gasoline is call it two ninety yeah. a gallon. You know what it was fifteen years ago? It was two ninety a gallon. So over the last fifteen years, it's bounced around. It's been higher. It's been lower. But the price of oil, uh, gasoline stayed the same. Has yeah. basically stayed the same. And uh, you know, it'd have been really nice, Senator Warren, if during some of those times when we could have gouged and we had minus thirty-seven dollar oil, if you would have just tweeted out, "Thank you, guys." Thank yeah. you for uh, providing cheap fuel for us. I mean, us. what a flex to be like, dude, we're so fucking rich that we're just going to run oil down to negative 37 just to. And, just you to know, and it. bankruptcy is so much fun. Let's go yeah. through that a couple of times. Yeah, some companies like multiple bankruptcies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we love this shit so much, we're going to do it a few times. The deal's so nice, we did it twice. Jeez, the- man. These politicians, you know, Warren, uh, AOC, Biden, you know, I put out a tweet the other day a poll asking are they really this ignorant when it comes to energy or are they just gaslighting and the the poll said everyone's just gaslighting yeah that they know what they're doing so if they can pin it on big bad oil and gas companies they're going to do it so we're going to fight back with memes and we're going to we're going to take over the narrative and teach people basic economic principles of supply and demand and hopefully we'll get through to some people (laughs) Let's uh, let's hope so. Everybody, this is Thanksgiving week. We all have lots to be grateful for. Colin, they actually, the research shows that your level of happiness is generally based on the amount of gratitude you have for what you have. Somebody's always going to have more than you. Somebody's always going to have less than you. And let's keep that in perspective. Awesome. Good insightful wisdom from the chuck yates whoa nelly we, we open up the show giving you some whoa nelly uh uh historic um, <laughs> some some pop culture history and we end it giving you some boomer wisdom there you go so guys if you like the show make sure you subscribe to us on youtube uh tell all your friends come check us out on the live stream we have it in a static place on the website now. You go to Digital Wildcatters, go to BDE. You don't even have to go to our YouTube. It'll be there on the website. We'll catch you guys next week.